Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage in the Madison, Dane County, Beaver Dam, uh, Bayport, De Pere, Wisconsin Dells area. I'm here with my co-host, Coach Manchie. Coach, how are we doing? Hey, doing extremely uh, good right now. I know we're going to be airing this episode a little bit later, but tomorrow is going to be a big day. We are going to be headed along with myself, Coach Mangan from Kimberly High School, and we're going to be going with your staff, and we're going to be doing some continuing ad, traveling to the Cincinnati Bengals and learning from their staff, strength conditioning, and then Queen Bee, who we already had on a podcast, Laura Phelps, Jim Tiger Fitness, and then we're going to hit the old um, historical West Side Barbell Gym. So we are super excited, and Brian, thanks for including both myself and Coach Mangan, and we are ready to make that long journey to Ohio and get better as coaches. That's what it's all about. But yeah. Like you said, uh, we're actually going to have our sharpening uh, the edge will air before this one where we'll probably talk about that trip for a while. Um, so kind of a little out of order here, but yeah, once again, you know, we take care of you, Dean and, and Mangan and, and everything that we can do to help you guys win more rings over there, Kimberly, whatever we can do to help you guys um, and, and whatnot. But um, very excited. Obviously, um, fall sports are now in, in motion. Um, the kids are, you know, volleyball and football is going and we're very excited about that. We're also extremely excited. We're, we're working through a few kinks here um, today. So for those of you that that are, are watching um, our, our video play of this on Spotify or any other any other platform, you can tell that we don't have our guest visually here, but he is here. So we are here with Coach Lucky Words, Coach, Hall of Fame Coach. Coach, are you there? I am here. Thank you. Thank you very much, Brian. I am ready to roll. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Coach, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history and give us a brief background on yourself, and uh, we'll get we'll get rolling here. Okay. Very good. I'm going to go through here as quick as I can. Again, thanks for having me, and I hear a lot of a lot of great things about you, Brian, and coach, coach Manchie, he's the hub of the whole Kimberly program there. We were just kind of the spokes for the coaches coming out and I have a lot of respect. So this, this is great. Um, I grew up in Mayville, uh, blue collar town, youngest of uh, six children. Um, you know, we played sports all the time. And, uh, and Dean, I talked to him about this the other day, we played sports and I, I believe nobody even ever told me to play. Um, I did it on my own. Um, parents probably didn't even know where I was half the time and the coaches, uh, they were doing their own thing and we just played and we, we played for hours at the pool, you know, three, four hours, jump in the pool, go come back and play in the driveway. So I gained my passion right there, but also at Mayville, um, which I kind of lucky because I'm very, one of the things I'm most proud of is going to the hall of fame of Mayville high school. And I think one of the main reasons for that is I played football and track. I was probably better at the, the two of them than basketball. Um, I was okay in basketball, but, uh, but I did everything in Mayville golf, you know, we could do it. It was a great small town to grow up on, grow, you know, grow up in. Then I went to uh, Oshkosh, um, average player at Oshkosh, but I got to play four years for a legendary coach, Bob White and, uh, played a lot, kept my, passion for basketball going, graduated in biology. And uh, I actually coached right after uh, coach uh, Matchy's old coach, Mark Christensen got me going, just a great coach. It was my first experience really in coaching. And uh, I did that for a year. And then I went to uh, work in the, the real world, uh, moving furniture, 
um, doing things like that, blue collar jobs. And that didn't, uh, that didn't quite do it for me. I worked for the DNR for a bit too. So then, uh, Tom Diener got me going coaching at Springs. So it was my first job, legendary, another hall of fame coach. It's Mark Christensen, Tom Diener. I coached three years of JV with Tom. And then I got the, I got the bug going. And from there, I got a head coaching job at Laconia where I spent 13 years, um, two state appearances runner up in, in 97. Uh, 2002, we went to state. I decided to uh, move down the road to Wapan, both rebuilding programs. I mean, they were rebuilding. They were two win, three win to start, and it took a while. And then uh, Wapan, I was there for six years, and, and that was fantastic. And I uh, really enjoyed both of those small communities. So I was moving up along the line, and then eventually I ended up at uh, Kimberly. Um, just a great experience. Um, there was, it was not a rebuilding at, at Kimberly coach Myron has done a heck of a job before me. And I was putting my own stamp on a program and taking over from there. And it was a great 13 years and, and had a great finish and, uh, decided to, uh, retire at age 60 from teaching biology, uh, and doing that. So it's, it's been in my blood for a long time. Well, coach, and lucky. Go ahead. Right. Oh, you know, go ahead. Sorry. Well, lucky, you know, I think, again, the thing that was more so impressive, you know, as we, we developed our relationship and working together as you as a sport coach and myself in the strength and conditioning realm was, you know, just how much you have evolved throughout um, your coaching career and you went to some smaller high schools and then obviously you got to the Division One with Kimberly and you've just done an outstanding job. And uh, we're so happy that you're on this podcast today because I know you're a big trout fisherman and you're big in the duck hunting and this is just an awesome opportunity to have you come on but one of the things that really impressed me the most is watching you you know develop and work with your kids your kids have a passion to play the game of basketball and they were playing other sports as well as they were growing up but a lot of parent listeners out there how do you really get those kids to really enjoy and participate in the sport of basketball and then also love the sport without just, you know, putting too much pressure on them. And how do you really get them to love the game as much as you love the game? Uh, that's a great question, Dean. Real quick on my kids, you know, just so they have an understanding. You know, Anna was my oldest, uh, played at Winona State, is now head coach at Winona State. She's in the Hall of Fame there. Uh, Aris was uh, my second one. Um, he's just went in the Hall of Fame of Ripon. He coached only, coaching wasn't, big in his blood, but he played until he was uh, 30 and he went in the hall of fame at Ripon. Uh, Dylan, um, kind of a, a player that maybe didn't have the passion that I always wanted, you know, and that's just the way it is. You got four kids, but he's a good player. He played at Oshkosh, but now coaching has become his passion beyond. And then I got uh, Frankie was on your show. Who I, I got to listen to, which was great. And Frankie is obviously still playing. He's going to play in Luxembourg this year. So all the kids, in other words, what I was proud of is he played but they all played and they will play into their thirties and then coaching. Um, they'll all probably coach at some level. So I think here's the key Dean of that. I think it's passion. I don't know if you can put passion into somebody. You got to be careful that you don't force that upon, you know, parents got to be careful with that. What I, we did, and I didn't knowingly know this at age 25 or 26 when I'm having children, but I was very passionate myself. That's just what I grew up with. And so when I started coaching and doing things, they saw it. It's a model. You know, they model it. But even, okay, the people would say, well, you're a coach. You can take them to the gym. They can do it. Well, I'll tell you what, my wife might have been more important. She worked 10 hours a day down at a moving company, starting a business uh, on her own. 
Uh, had the kids put little flyers out in the doors for advertising. And they saw the passion of my wife. So you're seeing passion. Okay. And that, that's really important for parents to do. I don't care what it is. You've got to be passionate about something uh, to do that. You know, then once they get going with the sport, you know, you got to let them not only grow in their own sport. And we'll talk about purpose and passion, I think, later, Dean. But I, th- I think one of the things is let them play other sports. They got to be more well-rounded. You don't want them obsessively, um, you know, passionate. And I'll get into harmonious versus passionate. But when you're obsessive, you, you do one thing. They all played other sports. We hunted. We fished. I, I did other things with them. Um, and that was important. Okay. Be careful. I was always very careful not to show my disappointment in them. Um, I, I think every time we had fun, you know, and it was a treat day after a tournament, win or lose, you know, cause you, you got to keep it that way. Um, I got a little story from Frankie, uh, you know, and she shared it with me and Frankie defined it like this. She, she tore her ACL her senior year, just a, just a tragic thing, you know, for a, for a player who loves it. She said before that ACL, she thought basketball kind of defined her and that was not good. You know, she would cry, get emotional um, after games, take it way too hard. After she had the injury, which, you know, good things happen sometimes from bad things, she learned that basketball is not everything. She was way better, put more work into it. She knew it was a passion, but she didn't, you know, wasn't defined by it. You can't define your child by that sport. It's so important. And, you know, always provide opportunities for your children, which I did. And I had the gym and access to the gym, but I never forced them to do it. So it was their passion, not mine. We had our own passion, my wife and I, and they saw it. And I guess basketball happened to be the one that came about because they saw it a lot, but uh, there was no forcing. Coach, I think that's a great message for, for our coaches listening as well, right? Oh, you know, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. It's been going the coaching part the same way. You got to be harmonious and do other things and that. Yeah. Right. Like you can't be defined by your, you know, being a basketball coach only in, in this and that. It's a, the person you are on and off the court that should define you. And I think that's great right. for all of our yeah. listeners to listen to. Yeah. I, I agree, Brian. I got to say something. That's why I could retire at 60. And I'm not saying people that go longer keep that, but that was fine. <laughs> you know, I'm settled. It, it's over. When you're done, you're done. You're not, you're not going to be, people are thinking about you. Kimberly, they move on to a new coach and uh, I, I'm just fine because I got other things to do hunting and fishing and family. So that is important. Very good point, Brent. Well, that'd be great. I'd like to do some more hunting and fishing myself, even though I'm not a hunter, I'd still like to go walk through the, anyways. <laughs> um, right. coach, it's coach, as, as a, as an experienced coach, um, when did you finally realize the value of strength and conditioning in helping your athletes improve the game? Kind of as a, as a thought on that, um, you know, within sports, I think we all know that really strength and conditioning started within the football realm and things like that. But now as things have evolved, everybody understands the the value of strength and conditioning in all other sports. So as, you know, a longtime basketball coach, when did you start to really value the importance of strength and conditioning and helping your athletes improve their game? And also, you know, you, you brought up um, I believe one of your daughters tore ACL from an injury prevention standpoint and keeping your kids on the court. Absolutely. It sure would be one of my regrets too, Brian is not. And, and again, I, I grew up in Mayville, you know, we did our push-ups, we did work. I go 
you know, bale some hay on a farm sometimes and we got stronger, you know, we didn't do it. Okay. And I'm not, it's not right, but it's just the way I grew up. And then when I, I did that, started coaching, we didn't do a, a ton of it at Oshkosh and Laconia. I think my first thing was buying a leaper. I don't remember the old leaper machine. Gosh, it, it was like a chain and, and you did like a squat and jumping. And if this, the chain got stuck, your back was thrown out, you know, and I would put them on that machine hoping they could all dunk. Um, but that didn't work very well. So I didn't do it at Laconia very much. Wapan, I started to, I did coach, you know, I always coach football and I coached football at Wapan and got into it a bit bigger, faster, stronger came in. I watched it. Um, but still I didn't commit to it like, like I did at Kimberly. And, and, and again, that's, and I know Dean's on here. I'm going to uh, pump him up again, but he, he was, he knows that I fought that early. And I wanted to practice more basketball and, and not do weight training twice a week. Uh, but once I figured that out, yes, injuries became less. It's so, so important uh, for kids to know that they have to. It's It became something where, you know, I played, you know, you always think about yourself. I played basketball, got better, got better at skills and did that. And maybe had some natural strength and survived, you know, played all these sports. But uh, to avoid injuries, to be the best you can, you have to go in the weight room. So Kimberly, really, Brian. Okay. It, which is it's it's the best it's not the best program weight training in the state that would have to find one that i don't think there is one so i was lucky I, I i moved up the ladder and i found and that's what really put everything together you know in the whole whole picture for me edgewood high school does a pretty good job of strength and conditioning too i just throw that in there um coach um I so, won't compare. You both are the best. I, yeah, I know, but I was blessed. Because I tell you what, Dean made better athletes. That's all. Did. I was worried about football, doing football things only or whatever. But no, it, simply Dean and the staff made better athletes. And, and that's what it's all about. The guy's a legend in our state. There's no doubt. Coach, so you probably know, you know, my former basketball coach at Alaska High School, John Shelton. I'm sure you know John. Um, Absolutely. Met him. Yeah. Hall of Famer. Great. Great man. Yeah. So even like when I played strength and conditioning was a priority for us, but the way we did it was so much different than we do it now. We did it all on time sets and, and, you know, about like 30 seconds on 30 seconds off, but it's just evolved so much, you know, probably from when you started to, to where it is, you know, when you were at Kimberly, right? Right. It, oh, it has. And it, 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 you know, if you didn't know what you were doing, it could be dangerous, you know, and, and that probably would have been it for me if I, if I tried, you know, that's why coaches don't do it. They don't know enough, you know, and I was lucky enough. And I, I, I believe I know more now. And if I had to go to a, a new job, which I don't think I'm going to and start over, um, I, I would have at least a recipe for getting them in there and doing it right, doing the squats right. But man, it could be, you, you can harm people. If you don't know what you're doing, you try forcing that. So it, it's an art and uh, you need expertise and you need good people. Lucky, everything evolves. And, you know, as we look, when I played AU basketball way back in the day, you know, it's so much different than it is today. So athletes have so many more opportunities as well. Like you said, you know, you're going down to the Y, you're just, you know, your parents don't know where you are. You're playing pickup games. You're going two on two, three on three. You're playing with the neighbors. You're just doing whatever. Explain some of those opportunities that kids get nowadays. And one of them would be AU. And, you know, what the cost can, you know, can be tremendous for families out there. So just give your advice on, you know, these parents out there now that are dealing with they, what well, they want their kid to get better in basketball, but they want them to enjoy being, you know, doing family stuff. You know, how do you get that balance and, 
And what do you suggest for a great avenue to help parents decide on, you know, what's too much, what teams to get on and, and everything else? There's just so much out there. Yeah, great question, Dean, you know, and I've thought about it a lot. And uh, I, my kids played some AU, not like they're doing, not traveling all over the world like they are now, um, but they played AU. I didn't have trainers much um, at that time. They were there probably. I just didn't, you know, hopefully I could train them myself or they could train themselves. So AU, first of all, and all this stuff has made better players in Wisconsin. I used to think, uh, you know, you could be in your driveway and I thought I was better than all these guys. They're better. And we have pros coming out of here. We have more D1 players out of Wisconsin. AU in Wisconsin, it's done a good job. And the trainers along with that. So first of all, it has. Now, with that being said, uh, it does cost money. And, you know, that's not, for me, money is a choice for a family to spend. You know, if they, if they can do that, go ahead. Um, you know, I do worry about the ones that don't have it and might get left out. Now, you know, back in my day, it didn't matter. We, we had no money and I wasn't going to any camp. Um, when I grew up with my family, they weren't going to pay for that. But I, I think now with the genies out, you know, kind of the bottle with that is that we took it away from the kids. Uh, that's over. Uh, they're not going to do much on their own and, and, and get a game in the driveway as much as we used to. We, we've now made it so organized, coaches and parents, it's going to be hard to get that back. So with that being said, my advice is it's good. I would say to parents, don't have them play AAU if they're not passionate enough to get after it on their own, you know, just to send them there and think that's going to be the answer to a starting job is going to be a problem. Same with a trainer. Um, they got to be passionate enough to do it on their own because uh, the trainer's not going to make them great. They're going to become great on their own, but if they do and they get some good ideas through that, I really think one thing, Dean, that I thought about a lot when I've been doing it, I did camps at Kimberly, $35 for 16 sessions. Now, Dean, that's a pretty good deal, isn't it? What you say? Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, $35, 16 sessions. And that was, it provided a good base, but I couldn't work individually with them. So my point is it was good and we had to do it. We made better players at Kimberly, but the, the ones that really became great did it on their own after that and took the ideas that I gave them or somebody else gave them, I'm not going to take all the credit and it got better, but make sure when you're paying the money, you know, get a good low ratio. If you're going to pay for an individual workout, whatever, $40 an hour, one-on-one, -on -one, you're, you're going to get something, you know, I'd be careful with paying a lot where it's a high ratio of kids to coach because that, then you got to, you know, you can go to a, a hopefully schools run camps and do things. And, and I hope, I hope schools, I know WIA did a tournament this year, and I'm not saying that's going to come and take over, but if they can do that with their own school team, that was a great idea by the WIA in June here to do that. You know, college coaches could watch D1 and D2, Dean and Brian. And I like that because that, that's cheaper. You got the, the high school coach doing it. I'm sure they're all playing AU anyway, but that was a good idea. And then hopefully you can, you know, keep these admissions down. Um, for families to go and enjoy this. But the bottom line is make sure they have a passion before you force them to do it. Otherwise, you're just not going to get, you know, much for your buck out of that. They've got to love the game and do it. If they do, then provide opportunities like that. I mean, coach, I think just as a follow-up, you know, you could provide as many private lessons for your child as you want. You can provide you, you know, go to their practice and stuff like that. The bottom line is if you want to get better, you got to put work in on your own. I mean, you see that at, at every level. I mean, you can look at the best. I mean, you look at, I look at what Russell Wilson does, you know, a guy I've worked with, 
you know, he's constantly doing extra work. You know, you, there's stories about Kobe getting up at four in the morning, you know, and, and, and guys want to meet him and he's already started, you know, you know what I mean? So yeah, you know, success, so, success leaves clues. Right. And these, these athletes that are the best are telling people exactly what they do. They're not, they're not hiding it, you know? And so I think a message for kids and parents is should be this, like you can do all the private lessons you want. You can go to your practices and stuff like that. Doing what's expected is expected. If you really want to be great, you have to do it on your own. There, there's got to be some work on your own. And I think that falls right in line with what you're saying, coach. If you have a passion for it, doing the work on your own is easy, right? You're not like, oh, I got to go to this. Oh, I got to go to this. Oh, I got, you know, you'll just get up and you love it. So you'll do it, right? Absolutely. I think the key is for a parent watching, you know, you think, and, and I was watching, you know, players like uh, Jackson Pavletsky work, and you would say, holy cow, that they're working. It's unbelievable. It's got to be uh, an amazing amount of work for the athlete. It, the work really isn't work. Right. <laughs> you know, that's, right. What, that's what you want to do in life, don't you? When I have a job, I don't want it to be work. I got lucky. I did what I wanted to do. And I think that's where you learn later about sports. These people, that's not Kobe Bryant. It really was. It was work. You would say it's unbelievable. Most of the time, not every time. The weight room and something's going to be tough or playing football when it's 100 degrees out there. It's going to be tough. But for athletes that are really driven with uh, a passion and a purpose, they have a goal at the end of the line. It really, it really isn't work. You know, I, I, that's the way I feel about it. But, but if it is work and you see your son or daughter doing it, uh, then, then you got to back off. But it becomes like, man, this is really working. They're, they're worn out and they're burnt out. Uh, be careful with that because really a, a, an athlete that's driven intrinsically. And I say intrinsic motivation, that means you do it within. You're not being told to do it. So important. And it, it's not work when you do that. It wasn't work for me to coach and do all the hours I did. I mean, it, you know, yeah, I could whine about it and do that, but but I did it and I loved it. Right. It's, it's, it's funny. It's I think Dean and I are the same way, coach. I think our wives think we're nuts, but it's just our passion yeah. for the kids. You That's know? right. <laughs> coach, what's something that you're the most proud of in your coaching career? And maybe is there something that you go back and do differently now with now with the knowledge that you have, you know, from from all the years of you know, gaining wisdom that you've had, you know, uh, throughout the years, is there something that you're the most proud of, um, through your career? And then maybe something that you may, you know, change or do a little different. Yeah, well, absolutely. You covered one already. So I'll just address it. Strength and conditioning is a huge regret, Brian, um, not doing it earlier. You know, I've had some great athletes there and, and I wish I knew more. There's nothing I can, you know, it's like Sinatra says in my way, you know, I got, I have regrets. They might be few, but, um, that's one of them. And I can't go back. Um, but, uh, you know, that bothers me for athletes that I had, and it's just this lack of knowledge, which we all did, not all maybe, but a lot of coaches did back then. Um, so that's a regret. But but what I'm proud of is I got so much better at the end. You know, I 35 years, I wasn't a great coach in the beginning, and I, I won games, and I won games at Oconee at a small level, great school, and and we did. But um, I, I, I learned so much after that, and I learned from great coaches. Um, I learned from my ADs. I learned from my principals. I learned from Dean and the coaching staff there. I'm really proud of the fact that I, I was humble enough to take on and listen to great coaches. My assistants, Coach Milky, Coach Simon, Coach Geeman. Uh, my son came in, you know, young, you know, whippersnapper coming in. I'm listening to him because they had things that they didn't have. And, um, you know, in doing that, Coach Cleaver and all the coaches I can go down the line that I've had in my time, I started listening to assistants better. I'm really proud of that. I, I'm proud of the fact that maybe a regret earlier, I focused more on relationships. 
And I think it became more important, you know, a little bit because of all the kids. The kids haven't changed. Frank Martin said kids haven't changed, parents have. But what kids have now are so many outside forces that are working with them and, and talking to them that you need to gain a relationship and, and then get better at communication, I'm proud of at the end, that I, that I could have done a better job earlier. Um, proud that I, I think I'll, for all 35 years, I think I'll work coaches um, and, and with a good purpose. Uh, I work constantly. And again, it wasn't work. I love doing it, so I'm lucky. And then the longevity of three programs, 35 years, uh, I wish, I don't know if coaches can do it. And, I, and again, they should, they should give them almost a real gold ring when they're done with 10 years now. Um, it's going to be tough um, to do. It, it's, it, it is. It is time. You got to keep up and do it. You got to have an unbelievable passion. And you got to have a wife that understands that in the family or whatever. Um, and, and somebody who can deal with that. Uh, regrets again. Early on, not communicating enough early on, lack of strength and conditioning with my athletes. Um, that would that would be, I think, uh, covers quite a bit there. Lucky, you talked about passion and purpose, kind of touched on that a little bit before, but how does that make a better athlete and then help them cope with those daily stressors that they have in their day, you know, in their lives? Yeah, really important. Um you know, Dean, on that, as I mentioned before, there's two types of passion, obsessive and harmonious. You want to be careful with the obsessive passion because that overtakes you. And you don't want your children, you don't want as a coach to become that. You want to become harmonious. And how do you become harmonious? You have other things to do. You have other things that you get up for in the morning to do. Basketball might be one of them when you wake up. You know, that's going to define your day. But uh, you can focus that energy on, on one thing but you can't let it define you so passion needs to be there in a good way purpose the key with purpose it's intrinsic motivation it gives you a reason to wake up every day and do it and how does it help you in life dean i think the most important thing if, if you have a purpose and a goal and what you want to become you can get through the obstacles they don't become as big obstacles. I've had so many obstacles in coaching and so many things and things go wrong and losses, or it could be um, outside forces, you know, getting to me, but I knew what my long range goal was. So I, every day I woke up, even if things didn't go right, I still had a destination. I had a, I, I had the purpose that I wanted to be good. And it was in intrinsic and it was within me. It wasn't, you know, that's where you got to be careful where, you don't want to be a, a player playing because your parents want you to, or somebody else wants you to. And sometimes it, it's the hardest thing to coach and it, it happens and it's going to happen forever. It's okay. Sometimes a player that could be so unbelievable, it's not their passion. I mean, I've coached players that obviously were football was their passion and I coach them in basketball. We need those. They weren't going to be the same as a kid. They completely had a passion for basketball. you got to coach that, that differently. And, you know, and you gotta you gotta learn to deal with that. Some coaches can't handle that. And I always could handle it because I played three sports and basketball was mine, but I understood the others. And you coach them a little bit differently because you're not going to have that same that's not their purpose in the long run. It might be to play division one football, but Hannah, you know, you love playing a little bit of basketball, let's do it. And they might not show up as much in the summer. Um, so I, I think the key is there. Dean, you know, and I think it's why I survived in coaching along with coaching kids. And I hope I expressed this to the kids. That's my most important job is for children. 
to, to see that is you will you will jump the obstacles if you have a purpose. And boy, if you have a passion that gets you up every morning and you enjoy it, it's not work. And, and that's what it's all about in life. That's awesome, Coach. I, um, you know, so we have a lot of athletes that are listening um, that are looking for a competitive advantage, obviously. Um, so what's your best advice that you would give them to, to help them get a competitive advantage over, you know, their competition and, and really in life in general. Yeah. yeah it, it, here, here's the key. First of all, deliberate practice. Now deliberate practice, the word I knew, I think it was classical or something. No, I can't remember the name. I read a book and you know, you got to have 200,000 reps <laughs> to become, you know, playing the piano or the violin or whatever it is to be good at along with shooting. So I was always big on shooting and, and doing that, well, deliberate practice means they're great reps. They're focused reps. It's really hard for kids to understand. I still understand, even the pros do that, how they wear headphones and shoot around. Uh, I thought your brain could only do one thing, but I, I must not know that. Um, but mm. I think you need to be totally engulfed in that activity if you're going to show up and do it. And again, when you have that passion, it's not going to be an issue. But that's where you want to be, and that's what you want to do. But get good reps. Everything has got to be done. It can't be just doing it. Uh, I always tell the kids that, you know, there's, they always say muscle memory. Well, the, the memory doesn't occur in the muscles. We all know that. It's in the brain. So if your brain's not focused on telling your muscles what to do, you're not going to gain. So make sure you do that if you're going to. Enjoy your journey. You know, enjoy the journey, not that one game. Don't, you know, you know, wait for being ranked in the top 10 or top 20. Don't make that your goal. Just enjoy it. Because if you get caught up in that stuff again, uh, that becomes stressful. And that takes away from the journey that, that you're going to have, that you're going to enjoy. Just be the best you can be. Strength and conditioning. I'm going to keep harping on that. So important, you know, kids to do that. Parents, maybe spend some of that money on a strength and conditioning coach if your program doesn't have one. You know, like Kimberly, I think we can get away with that. For They don't have to pay for it because they got it right there every morning at 5.30. But uh, do that rather than, 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 than reps in basketball. Get them stronger. Keep them healthy. Um, you know, and do not rationalize. I always, you know, second greatest need of human beings to rationalize and make excuses. Um, again, it won't happen if, if you get the passion and the purpose. It occurs when you're obsessive because if something goes wrong, you're going to blame somebody. If you blame somebody um, or if parents start to blame, you know, people along the way, the kids aren't going to get better. It just doesn't happen because it gives that crutch to do that. And I, I think for everybody, whatever role it is, and I think this might be the most important thing, Brian, is embrace your role. I learned that so much in coaching. I had so many players that maybe they thought couldn't play basketball very well, but they had a role and they were a star in their role. And that could be the ninth man, the 10th man that just coming in and covering somebody for two minutes. It could be the 14th man. And I kept up to 20 sometimes, you know, trying to, as I wanted to have kids participate and to do that became very difficult. But when I was really, when our teams are really good is when all 17, whatever, they were a star in their role. And obviously they weren't all playing. So kids have to understand that too. And parents do where are they at and do this well. And then it might get you on the court. They'll make things a lot happier because you have a purpose again. It might be not scoring 20. It might not be scoring 10. It might be getting four rebounds in three minutes. But that, I think that's really important to embrace your role for kids to understand that the game will be fun, you know, and enjoy it. Lucky, I really love that you brought up deliberate practice because I think, 
with everything being coach driven and parent driven, I think a lot of kids think, Hey, just because I'm at open gym, I'm getting better. And I just, right. a lot of times don't see that happening and I don't see it happening in, in every sport. And it's the same way in the weight room. Some kids come in and Hey, they're, you know, it's, they're supposed to lift their sport coach wants them to lift, but then they just go through the motions and it's not a great deliberate session and they're not right. getting better. It was kind of like, I remember when I was a young kid, it was always, you know, in basketball, as you know, is the 5,000 shot club. And then it's the, you know, the 10,000 shot club. We got to get all these shots up in whatever that is. And then we're going to give you a reward. What I noticed a lot of times, my friends were just jacking up shots as quick as they could just to get that number high so they could get a t-shirt, for example. And then you looked at those individuals and they were never any better. They, they never got any better as a basketball player, but hey, they were just trying to get that extrinsic reward of getting that t-shirt or, or whatever that extrinsic reward was because they made you know 5,000 shots just because you make 5,000 shots, whatever that case is, or you take that many shots doesn't necessarily make you better, as you know. Right, exactly. And and you really made a great point there, Dean, deliberate. And, and for kids that go out and shoot and, and even young ages, um, shooting wrong, you, you got to remember everything's a habit. And if they do it the wrong way 10,000 times for a t shirt, that's going to be the worst thing. You know, I, I sometimes like to work with shooters that that didn't play a lot or shoot a lot. And that, that sounds crazy. But, you know, when you're younger, you got to use two hands sometimes. You get the opposite thumb in the shot. And, that's hard to break. I mean, there goes that 200,000. Now I tell it, it's going to take 200,000 to really change that uh, bad form. So for, first of all, do it right. And then make the practice count. And then and, and don't just be, you know, chucking shots up to do that. That's a great point. So let's talk about, you know, young kids. Once that three-point line, you know, was, was brought in, a lot of young kids just want to jack that up. And they cannot do it with good form. So what would you suggest to, to young athletes and, and to parents that, you know, their kids always going to that three-point line at a very young age Steph. and just firing them up? Everybody wants to be Steph. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was, it was, it's a great story I got with that because my, my oldest daughter, Anna, who's still, I think she's a leading three-point shooter at Winona. She shoots with her, her left thumb. She's a right-hander, and it comes in. And I did the same thing. I was so happy and proud. She's up there chucking them. You know, really, at a young age. Now, how did she recover? She shot that way a thousand times a day, and eventually, you could still do it. You know, um, there's a lot of strange shots in the NBA, but they do it. You know, George Gervin, I remember shooting over his head, kind of thing, and launching it, but he still made the darn thing. I couldn't knock it. I didn't like any bit of it. But uh, Anna did that, and she's really good at what she did. And she still thinks kind of used her thumb a little bit too. So we argue about that. But my point is, I shouldn't have let her, and I learned after that. Because I tried changing her, and pretty soon I said, "Okay, you're just doing it that way. Get good at it." And she did, um, because she was passionate to do that. But my younger one, small hoop, you know, everything's got to be done right. And and, and I, I started them at five feet, four feet, whatever it was. The form was number one. If they want to go shoot, here's how you're going to do it. And maybe it's, maybe we shouldn't start them out so young if you're afraid of doing that. You know, like I'm talking five or six or seven, you got to play it pretty early. And I always started kindergarten. I, I started kindergarten basketball programs because I wanted to make sure if they were going to go shoot and the parents would be usually sitting there watching because they would bring their young one, young, young son there. And I said, make sure they're shooting at a low hoop. They're doing it right. They're not chucking threes. Three point has hurt that form. There's no doubt about that. If they go do that and you do it right 
and then build from that. So you're absolutely right. Parents need to get the form right first and then let them do the reps. And you got to do it in that step process. The reps don't matter if they're done wrong. Um, it'll be hard to, it'll be hard to cure later. I know that as a coach, I tried changing. In fact, I just kind of adapt and adjust the high school kids when they come in with a form. I got to find a way that they can make it that way and just do a little tweak. But I can't change everything because the Braves remembered that for so many years. Well, Coach, we're we're really uh, we really appreciate you hopping on today, sharing knowledge um, from so many years of coaching and just great great stories and things like that. And it's it's just reassuring for me to know that you know, like when you say deliberate practice, my first thing that I think of is consistency. Right? How you do anything is how you do everything. That's our motto at our gyms and. There's really no secrets to being a great athlete, no matter, you know, if it was in the 80s, the 90s, you know, 2000s, 2010, and now where we're at. I mean, you have to put the work in. You have to do it at a high level. You have to do it correctly. Um, and, you know, the last thing that you talked about a lot is passion. You have to love what you do uh, because if you don't love what you do, you know, burnout is real with coaches and with athletes. And, um I just, I really appreciate you coming on and just sharing, you know, some great messages and things like that. And um, especially on a, on a Saturday morning coach. So appreciate you coming on for us. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's such a pleasure being with both of you, you know, Brian, I hope to meet you live sometime and a good friends, um, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. But yeah, I just, I love it, you know, for a retired coach like me, like I told you, we become, pretty irrelevant when we're done and that's a good thing by the way the coaches need to understand that <laughs> I, I like to be in a duck marshal on a couch stream right now and i'm not really worried what people talk about what i did with basketball but uh it's sure nice that i get a chance to talk about it one more time because i love i have a passion for it and i love it so thank you for the opportunity this saturday morning to do that and lucky i appreciate everything that you have done to help me we've had some great just workout sessions you know, ourselves just getting some weight workouts in and just getting to talk to another sport coach in the building, you know, understanding how you think as a sport coach, how we think as strength and conditioning coaches and just having that relationship. And because we both figure it out really quick is we want to do whatever we could to help, you know, those individuals become better. And if they had yeah. passion to become a better basketball player, we do it physically, you know, and, and mentally in the weight room, and you do it through the skills and the coaching on the court. And, you know, when the sport coach and the strength and conditioning coach work hand in hand together and understand it's all about the, the athlete, great things happen. And I'm, I'm just glad that you evolved, you know, throughout your years, because we used to have lots of conversations. And, you know, I've had that with many of different sport coaches. And we understand, like you said, during the, the pod here, as you said, you know, if you don't know it, you know, it, it, you just aren't going to be comfortable enough doing it. And you have to, as a sport coach, reach out to the strength coach or strength coach. If the sport coach, you think they can help them out because they're not very comfortable, have that meeting, have that, you know, build that relationship and then just sit down and figure it out. Because again, it's all about the student athlete and don't, don't do it because you don't know it. Don't do it because this person might know more or, or less, but just get together and make it work. And I think so many times the strength coach and the sport coach just are so different as far as thought process that then it doesn't work with the athlete and it has to work with the athlete because if not, it cheats the athlete. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And what you said, Dean, and what you were, I think one of the key things you said in that, it, it, it's the athlete. That, you know, you can't get caught up in yourself. And, and that's what you did. You were always about the kid. And, what, you know, you're a strength coach and doing that. But it's what the it's what the athlete, it's what the kid needs emotionally and physically. And, uh, you know, that, that's that's the fun of coaching. It's it's way more than in skills. X and O's have changed over the years in Ebo, but the kids really haven't. You know, you just you can't coach the parents anyway and coach the outside forces, just coach the kids. And, and that's what I learned from you, Dean. You were so student-led, you know, and doing that, it's impressive. He's the man. There's no doubt about it. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. Coach Wirtz, we're, we're really blessed to have you on today. Hope everybody enjoyed the episode. Obviously, there's about 70 previous episodes. Go back if you haven't listened to some of those. We've got some great messages on there, and you'll find out that a lot of the messages are very consistent. They're just spoken in a different way. All right, there's only there's only one way to be great, right? You got to be consistent. You got to love what you're doing, um, and you got to get after it. So that ends this episode of the Get Your Edge podcast, and we will see you next time. Chop it! <laughs>